0: The PR Moments Podcast, your weekly insights into what's hot and what's not in public relations and communications.
1: 2017 marks the centenary of the government's communications service. This morning I'm interviewing Alex Aitken, Executive. Executive Director for Government Communications on the top three historical campaigns for the UK Government Communications in the last 100 years. Good morning, Alex. Ben, good morning. Good to talk to you. Alex, first up, could you just give us some, some context of, of, of Government Communications around how it, how it all came to being?
0: Well, the reason, Ben as now, is that uh, governments want to get their message across and explain their policies, justify and promote their policies. The situation in 1917 was, of course, More serious than it is today, and that Britain was involved with a world war. And we know from the cabinet minutes that the cabinet was not satisfied with the way that the presentation of the war was going. They had challenges from the Germans, they also had challenges from the pacifist movements uh, in the UK. So they tasked uh, John Buchan, the author of the 39 Steps, with a finding a way of developing a proposal for government communications which he did he put to the cabinet a memo um, which we uh, have is in, on the um, uh, government communications service website for a department of information and that department of information i think its functions will be recognizable to most in-house communicators uh, today um it has a uh, literature se- section of photographs and pictures sections cinema visits and then an overseas uh, section It also has a cable and wireless um, team now while the channels may now be much bigger and so on and cinema has given way to youtube and literature uh, and photographs we probably combine in the press office you can see in terms of its overall Goal to promote, explain, and justify the policies of the government. Uh, there is a, a link between nineteen seventeen and two thousand and seventeen. Those, if you like, a golden thread.
1: Okay. And in terms of the the the, the, the lessons that I, I suppose there are lessons. Are there between? Um, The government, public sector and private sector, what what were the sort of main lessons of of that forming of a government communications service that uh, I suppose are potentially still relevant today?
0: I think that the big lesson, which is embedded in the civil service code, um, but was part of the reason for the establishment of the Department of Information in 1917, is you have got to tell the truth credibly. And part of the reason for the creation of a Department of Information in 1917 was the fact that some of the early uh, propaganda, stories of German atrocities, although it excited the population initially, didn't feel right and indeed caused us problems when it was um, uh, found to be incorrect. It undermined the credibility of government information. So telling the truth and presenting the government's case well, but nevertheless on a factual, objective basis is the the big lesson over the years and that uh, remains true uh, today the second lesson is that um, after john Buckan um the uh, department um uh, was uh, went through various iterations and by the 1920s you've got stephen talents uh, in charge uh, one of the fathers of public relations in the uk honored still today in the stephen talents medal at the cipr gives out and Talents was an innovator, and Talents was challenging the um, civil servants and ministers at the time about, we've got to move away from literature, and photographs and pictures, and we've got to get with newfangled media like radio and then television. And there was a certain resistance to that, and there was a certain resistance to um, uh, Talents uh, trying to take communications uh, further. He left government, went on to serve as of communications for the post office, which was then one of the biggest public service organizations and he introduced internal communications and he introduced the nature of the idea of communications as a dialogue rather than just broadcasting information and that innovation communicators in government tend to be the people who have got to deal with emerging societal trends first because they're trying to reach people so the issues we have today with uh, facebook and um, uh, social media would have been familiar in a different Setting to uh, communicators over the last 100 uh, years. Um, Alongside uh, that is a a theme that comes out from the history of government communications uh, about communications playing a central role in the business of government. We know that alongside legislation, taxation, and regulation, communications is a powerful tool for government to do its business, but it hasn't always been the case. And um, uh, Marjorie Ogilvie-Webb, who wrote the history of the first 50 years of government communications, made the point that many government communicators during the um, uh, 1950s felt that they were... Um, tolerated rather than accepted and properly utilised now I believe that communications is now uh, recognised as one of the leading professions in government because we deliver for the businesses the main departments and the agencies of government because we're there at the um, uh, inception of policy making but nevertheless that win is credibility, which ultimately is done through data and evidence, has been a theme alongside the need to innovate and alongside the need to deliver the facts um, in a truthful and honest way. Okay. Now, I'm
1: conscious we're in, we're in, uh, a general election is coming up, so therefore, uh, as a, uh, as part of the, uh, the government communications service, you're in CURDA, so you can't say anything overly political. So let's concentrate on the, the historic campaigns of UK governments rather than anything that might, uh, might get you into trouble, so to speak. Um, what would you say are that the top three um, historic um, campaigns that that of excellence over the last 100 years for, for that that you look back on, I suppose, with most pride if that's like if that's right um, uh, emotion um, over the last 100 years.
0: Well, I think I would start with the current Great Britain campaign, the campaign to bring trade and tourism and students uh, to the UK as a contrast with the Empire Marketing Board campaign of the 1920s. So it's interesting that government communicators have always been asked to go out and promote Britain uh, globally. The Empire Marketing Board existed at a time, of course, when the uh, free trade and um, uh, was um, giving way to Commonwealth or Empire um, uh, preference, and we were trying to sell goods around uh, the world. But it was a comprehensive communications campaign that involved all the media then available to sell uh, Um, uh, the UK's uh, message uh, globally and that was the 1920s Uh, now in the uh, 2000s we're running a similar campaign which I believe is at the cutting edge of our work Um, alongside that I would um, uh, highlight to your uh, audience the Famous uh, "Keep Calm and uh, Carry On" uh, initiative, which was uh, considered at the start of the uh, Second World War when the Ministry of Information was reformed. It had been abolished, and it was it was reformed because of the coming uh, war. Now, um, uh, that was a campaign concept that was uh, developed, uh, but then um, uh, rejected and not used. And there was a uh, similar. Uh, campaign that was developed to have the same impact to reassure uh, the public along the lines of uh, during this war your effort your hard work your courage will help us succeed and when that campaign was launched there was research done on it by the government and of course the reaction from the audience particularly those who were working in the factories to Keep the war effort going was it's all very well the ruling class telling us that it's our effort and our courage that will win them their war but that doesn't feel right so I put forward that campaign as an example about the importance of getting the message the tone and the style uh, right and the importance of uh, research in trying to uh, work out what will uh, resonate uh, with the audience so I think those uh, two examples about Great and the Empire Marketing Board and then the public information campaigns to reassure people at the um, uh, start of the uh, second world war uh, two examples about how government communications has um, uh, adopted or approached problems over the uh, years
1: well what's the just an interesting difference between the empire marketing board and, and the, the the more recent campaign uh, what, what are the uh, what, what strikes you that the differences between those two campaigns or the similarities
0: um i think um remarkably it's the similarities i mean we think we operate in a 24-7 uh, global media environment. Of course, we, we, we do, but nevertheless, if you look back at the uh, discussion, the presentation of the Empire Marketing Board campaigns, they were operating on a global basis. It was a, a proper full-spectrum campaign with public relations and marketing uh, and all the other elements you'd expect, and they were having to do it all around the world at pace and deliver stories. And, of course, they had less immediate um, uh, communication tools, but nevertheless, all the logistics to run campaigns in the way I've I've described had to be uh, there so it's this search to Uh, master the tools to prove uh, impact and to produce uh, the best uh, creative to uh, make things work. But as we've gone through the archives, we've seen uh, extraordinary uh, campaigns which have uh, resonated down the years that have been there to keep people safe. I'm sure many of us would have grown up with the um, uh, Green Cross uh, Code and, of course, David Prowse, who later went on to greater fame in in, in Star Wars, was the um, uh, front man for that uh, particular campaign there's some terrific work that um, uh, we've uncovered from the um, uh, 1970s challenging racist and sexist attitudes that I think was ahead of its uh, time um, necessary then and of course um, uh, important uh, now so um, government communications is a history of part of the um, communications profession but it's also a social history of the United Kingdom over the past 100 uh, years. Sure
1: um, and we, I should add at that point that we'll there's a website isn't there for giving some more details on the centenary of, of government communications and we'll make sure we put that, uh, that link yeah. Yeah, uh, with this podcast um,
0: which we're, we're adding to in a sort of crowdsourced uh, way as we uncover more of the um, uh, history of the uh, government communications service and there'll be publication later in the year because this is, in a sense is a year of celebrating the centenary starting with the inception of the idea of a formal system of government communications in February 17 and ending with the creation of of the uh, new department in um, uh, in 1918, so 100 years on in 2018.
1: Right. And not wanting to push you too hard, but we said our our top three campaigns, what was was your third and final campaign that you you look back and think, yeah, that was pretty good?
0: Um, I think what I would do is highlight the essential uh, public health work that, is done uh, today with um, initiatives like uh, Change for Life, but nevertheless, public health, particularly um, uh, after the um, uh, Second World War, has been a constant theme in trying to get people to do the right thing to enable them to um, uh, lead um, uh, longer and, and, and healthier lives. Indeed, even the very start of government communications in a very different economic climate in the 1920s, it was there as, as, as well. So. I've talked about the importance of of, of trade and export campaigns. I've talked about the importance of reassuring the public and then um, uh, public health and and change for life campaign of today. And I think that gives you an idea of the um, uh, scope of government communications over this period. Okay, brilliant.
1: Alex, I think we'll leave it there. Thank you very much for your time this morning.
0: Ben, uh, thank you very much to to you and um, uh, well done on the continuing activities of uh, PR Moment. Thanks for listening to the PR Moments Podcast. To keep up to date with what's happening in public relations and communications, subscribe to the PR Moment Podcast in iTunes or at prmoments.com slash podcast. prmoments.com, exploring the evolution of public relations.